Ah, yes! You know what time it is. I am back. And I am here. And welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this final Saturday of the month of August, August the 28th, the year 2021. Got lots to do, lots to talk about uh, since the last time me and you. Uh, conversed here on your favorite little uh, sport uh, podcasting platform. Get into everything that's going on with Major League Baseball. The Yankees all of a sudden are good again. The Red Sox stink. The Padres stink. The Mets stink. And the Giants have just been kicking ass and taking names ever since the season began in early April. Get into my pathetic Baltimore Orioles who uh, prior to uh, Wednesday night uh, were riding a historic uh, record for ineptitude, and that is a 19-game losing streak. We'll get into them. Get it. Talk some NFL as the NFL season is right around the corner. Two week the seat the kickoff game between the Cowboys and the Bucks. Of course, are uh, two weeks from this past Thursday. Uh, week the first sun the first uh, Sunday of the regular season is two weeks from tomorrow or today. If you're listening to this episode on Sunday. Uh, so we get into lots to do as far as the NFL is concerned regarding the quarterbacks as we uh, wrap up training camp and wrap up the last weekend of the preseason for the 2021 NFL campaign. And then uh, do a little something different as I will as I got a chance to see that uncut uh, d- that uncut documentary on Netflix of the Malice in the Palace, uh, which I will give you my two cents on later in the program as well. It's nice to be back. Uh, took a nice long uh, layoff. I tell you, you know, I didn't, you know, you, I love doing this. And of course, I want to be able to put myself in a position where I'm doing this for a living, you know, so, so I, and I get big time and, and, and my voice is heard all over the uh, national radio airways and everything else. But, you know, it's interesting. The only time where I desperately wanted to get in front of a microphone and scream and yell my head off is uh, it was this past week and was last week when my Orioles were losing games left and right. I mean, we'll get into them later on. Uh, and they've won two games to end that to end that pathetic losing streak, but boy, outside of the Orioles, you know, I I, I enjoyed my uh, I enjoyed uh, my time uh, off. So I enjoyed my time off away from the program. Nice to be back. I it is all it is uh, all systems go full head of steam. Um, well, you know, and I did say to you all that next time I talk to you all, I, I should have an idea of where I am going to college. Um, so just to give you a couple of cents on that, I did not get into the University of Maryland College Park, which is unfortunate and and uh, and uh, disappointing and and depressing and, and things of that nature. But do not worry, your boy Dry Shields is not going to go down without a fight. Um, I, I for the time being, I got accepted, and I am going for the time being. My the plan is just for this uh, school year to go to Morgan State University. Those of you who live in the city of uh, Baltimore, state of Maryland, and or went to Morgan State, you know uh, good and well where that is. So I will spend my sophomore year of college there, and then uh, and then uh, just hit the books and get and just. 
set the set set my report card on fire where my G, more my GPA is 3.5 and above and just knock it out the park this year and then uh once and then once I get that all and then once I do that then I'll reassess things I'll reapply to Maryland I'll reapply to South Carolina which turns your boy down uh my senior year in high school before the before about a few weeks before the whole world went to crap hell I I hell I'll even I'll apply to Georgia I, I'll apply here's here's the idea I'll apply to Maryland I'll little and I will apply to every single SEC school that caught my attention ever since I've been a football fan and a sports fan watching the SEC on CBS. If, if I got to go to Alabama and rub elbows with Saban, so be it. If I got to go down to uh, Baton Rouge to, uh, you know, and look at uh, and look at Joe Burrow's photos across the school and, and hear a coach say, go Tigers, then so be it. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And, 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 and I'll touch the Odell Beckham Jr. statue outside of the stadium down there in Death Valley. South Carolina, I will go down there to Columbia, South Carolina, if that's what it takes. But I will do my best to make sure that I get into a school that I'm happy with and I'm satisfied with is going to put me in the best position to succeed uh, for my broadcasting future down the road. Whether it's College Park, whether it's Columbia, South Carolina, whether it's Athens, Georgia, whether it's Gainesville, Florida, whether it's uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the only the only. Vanderbilt, you can forget because I could get I could get I could get straight A's for two straight years at Morgan, and I would never in a thousand million years be able to get into Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt's off Vanderbilt's off the books. Mississippi State's off the books for obvious reasons, and and Ole Miss is off the books for obvious reasons. And if I have to explain it to you, the school is in Mississippi. And if you don't know what my skin color is, Google me and Google images and you will and, and you'll be able to connect the dots. I digress. But anyway, so I will spend the time there at Morgan State, depending on the the uh, depending on how because I was a late admission with the transfer and everything else. And the administrative staff uh, over there at Morgan has not been <clears throat> uh, a plus a top notch quality service to their transfer students. Um, and, uh, and from, uh, sources close to me that shall remain, that shall remain anonymous and nameless. Uh, they tell me that, uh, Morgan's administrative staff and the people that, that, uh, that work there in their offices are not exactly, uh, Johnny on the spot. I'll put it, I put it to you. I put it to you like that. Um, so it remains to be seen whether or not the, t whether or not the Wednesday, whether or not the Wednesday, Saturday shows will still be in the mix. I will certainly keep you all in the loop of that. Uh, whether I'll do just, especially with the football season, I keep the football season into it too. If I do, if I am not, if I, for, for my schedule, have to, uh, have to not do these shows, uh, bi-weekly anymore. Most likely the set, the Saturday will be dropped and I will just do my uh, podcast, make some time for the podcast, whether, whether it be Tuesday or Wednesday, so I can recap the weekend that was in the National Football League. And then of course, preview and be on top of things for the upcoming weekend in, in college football and the NFL. And I can't forget, you know, which is one of the reasons why I really don't want to, if I, I, if I have to, I will. But one of the reasons why I don't want to drop the two shows a week is because, is because it's specifically in the in the first two months of the fall so to speak in September and 
October where you have uh, where you have baseball pennant chase and the MLB playoffs. But if I have to, I will, and I will certainly keep you all in the loop if that time shall come. Uh, with the, as far as the, uh, and we will get to the baseball, believe me, you got plenty of time folks. So just, just, uh, bear with me here. Uh, and then of course with the NFL, uh, you know, CSUS kicks off two weekends from this one. Uh, we will get Brendan on, uh, we will get Brendan on, uh, whether it, whether it's, uh, whether it's next Saturday, the whether it's next Saturday, the 4th, whether it's Wednesday, the 1st of September, whether it's uh, whether it's September uh, the eighth, bef- the day before Cowboys and uh, the day before Cowboys and Bucks, or whether it's September the eleventh, we will get we will get Brennan on one between one of those uh, four days, one of the, either those two Wednesdays or one of those Saturdays. I will of course give you my season predictions and pick the week one games and everything else and. And we're trying to see. I'm trying to see if I can get uh, Urinating Tree and Brandon Pern of That's Good Sports. Urinating Tree, of course, who we had on back in July to talk to talk some baseball with him, and we had him on for the first time uh, the Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl 55 weekend to preview the Super Bowl and recap the 2020 NFL playoffs. Uh, we'll see if uh, he will pop by, and we will see if uh, Brandon Pern of That's Good Sports will pop into that says. As, so we can get on here and discuss the 2021 NFL season. Uh, I and I will keep uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo as a wild card uh, in my back pocket. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, have him on the show because he's a busy man, busy schedule, and, and have him on unless unless I unless I desperately absolutely have to. I had him. I had him on last summer, and then I had him on on March 31st to preview the baseball season. So I want to keep a little bit of time and distance in between his next appearance on the show. But if calling on Mad Dog Russo is what it takes, then, uh, then so be it. But we, uh, well, we shall see where uh, things uh, stand and are with urinating tree and uh, Brandon Perna of that's good sports. Um, so that's, you know, that's a little bit of housekeeping news here on the home front. But let's get into some baseball right now. And the New York Yankees, boy, oh boy, oh boy. if there has been a team that I that over the last three weeks that has made me eat more crow and have made and has made me look uh, as much as an idiot over the last essentially throughout the month of August, it's the it's the New York Yankees. You know, this is a team that the last time I spoke to you guys on. September or in September on August the seventh. Granted, they had just granted they had just won their fifth game in a row. Granted, they had just won their fifth game in a row to begin the month of August, taking three, taking the first three or four, taking the first three, and it turns out to be the final win of their uh, win of their little winning streak and final win that they got in that weekend series up in the Bronx against the Seattle Mariners. Um, so they were sitting there with a five four win September uh, August August the seventh. Uh, and then you go and then and then you go ahead and you fast forward. They have a bad loss against the Kansas City Royals on the road Tuesday August the tenth. But they take two or three from Kansas City nevertheless. Then the Field of Dreams game comes on August. The, uh, Field of Dreams game comes August the. Uh, 
August the 12th. Andrew Heaney gets knocked around all over the ballpark up there at Dyersville, uh, Dyersville, Iowa. Then next thing you know, the Yankees come all the way back because of the uh, Chicago White Sox dicey bullpen. And next, and next thing you know, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge goes yard twice, and Giancarlo Stanton joins him, putting together a four-run top of the ninth inning for the New York Yankees to take the lead to go up by the score of eight. To uh, by goes up by the goes up by the score of eight to seven heading into the bottom of the ninth inning and then and then they bring Zach Britton Aaron Boone brings Zach Britton in who made it clear to Boone that he is far away from his 2015 16 17 days when it was goodbye good night and see you tomorrow when he was a uh, when he was to shut down. Uh, shut down uh, Mr. Sandman closer for my Baltimore Orioles. He Zach Britton's abil- Zach Britton's abilities in the back end of a bullpen has regressed to my liking because he's in a New York Yankee uniform has regressed since since he last suited up in an Orioles uniform. He made it known to Boone that ah, I'm not too, I'm not you know I don't really trust my stuff. In these high, in these, uh, in these uh, closer, uh, tight game situations, Boone says, "What the hell? My hands are tied. I'm not putting in Chad Green." And 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 Arodis Chapman has been a complete has been a complete mess since the month of June. So he sticks out. Uh, so he sticks out Zach Britton, and you know, and he can't he can't find a strike zone. Lead, I believe, it was a leadoff walk that began the whole rally in the bottom of the ninth inning. And then the next thing you know, here comes Tim Anderson. And they had a walk-off two-run home run in the field of dreams to give the White Sox uh, the nine, the nine to eight, the nine to eight win, and dives for Iowa, one of the greatest regular season baseball games that I have ever, ever, ever seen in my life. And then, all, and then all of a sudden, here it comes. Yankee season is over, and, I, and listen, and I was warm. I'm sitting there tweeting. Yeah, checking up. The Yankees still dead. What is Boone doing? Get rid of Boone. Get rid of Heaney. Zach Britton stinks. Uh, Steinbrenner, what are you doing? Get rid of Cashman. Why did he trade for Heaney? Joey Gallo's hitting 219. Can't hit his way out of a paper bag. He's a guaranteed strikeout every at bat. I mean, it was it was it, it was a, yet another one, another one of the of the Yankees classic. Classic late game collapses, one of many that they've had already in this season. Whether you go, whether you go to back in, whether you go back in early July when the Yankees knocked around Shohei Otani and I believe took like a seven nothing lead after two three innings, got uh, Otani's worst outing the up to this point now still Otani's worst outing. Of the of his, of his masterful 2021 uh, MLB season on pitching wise, they knock Otani they knock Otani out the game early, and and, and they knock Otani out the game early. Their bullpen implodes. Their starting pitching stinks, and they allow the uh, and they allow the LA Angels to come all the way back to take to take the game right out of the jaws of defeat, thanks to another uh, Chapman implosion implosion on the counts of uh, on the counts of Aaron Boone. Also, how can you forget when Herman had a no hitter going going into the eighth inning? If my memory serves me correctly, the the Red Sox were as flat and and as that as and was dead as a doornail, and somehow, some way, they pissed away that lead and allowed the Red Sox to come all the way back to beat and and allowed the Red Sox to come all the way back. That was on July the 11th. No, no, 
No, wait, excuse me. That was on July the twenty-fifth when they lost that when they lost that game five to four. And then two and then two days and then two days I will I'll skip Friday night. But then a few days prior on Thursday on that Thursday of that series, on July the twenty on July the twenty-second, uh Chad Green can't get Chad Green can't get anybody out. And Brooks Krisky, who what yeah, Brooks Krisky failed the failed to find the strike zone as Yankees got walked off by Boston. Uh, but a final score of five to four, and who can for- and then and then who can forget back in the month of May when the Yankee fans and rightfully so made life a living hell, a living hell for the Houston Astros and and kicked the Astros all up and down the field in the Bronx for two games, and then the and then the third game. Uh, comes in of that series back in uh, back in the month of May, and Jose Altuve on his birthday takes Chad Green deep to put the uh, to put the Astros over the top and to avoid and to avoid uh, getting swept by the Yankees. And then you fast forward to the Sunday before the All Star break on July the uh, on July the 11th. What happens again? The Yankees once again blow another lead. Their bullpen implodes. Chad Green, Chad Green can't get anybody out. Can't find the strike. Can't find the strike strike zone. Gets hit all over the ballpark left and right. Gives a cookie right down the heart of the plate for uh, for Jose Altuve to hit essentially to my uncle's apartment down there in Houston, Texas, to seal to seal to seal. The first half for the New York Yankees and most and in painful, most excruciating, most excruciating fashion by the final score of it of eight to seven, and that was and that was less less than twenty four hours prior to that game. Garrett Garrett Cole, the ex Houston Astro, comes in there, mows down the Astro lineup one two three. Judge goes deep with the home run, the only run scored in the game, and and uh, Garrett Cole he threw 130 pitches, whatever it was. When Aaron Boone came on the mound in top of the ninth inning, Garrett Cole Garrett Cole, who was under the weather, cussing Boone to his face and under his breath, say Boone, get back in the dugout, get the hell off my mound, I'm finishing this, and that was. After one of the more masterful, gutty, excuse the language, ballsiest performances from the Yankees up until that point in the season, less than 24 hours later, they implode with Chad Green and allow Altuve to go deep and 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 get the Yankees again with a walk-off three-run home run to win the game by the final score of eight to seven. And after all of that. The Field of Dreams game, the implosion when they knocked Otani out, the two games against the Red Sox in mid-July, getting walked off by Altuve to close out the first half. After all of that, all of that, somehow, someway, the Yankees somehow found a way, found a way to have a 13-game winning streak to put together a 13-game winning streak and to now be only four games behind Tampa in the AL East and a th- and have a three-game three-game advantage for the fifth and fir- fifth fifth seed in the in the American League and first out of the two seeds in the wild card with this 13-game tear that they've been on. They have kicked everybody's hind parts from the top 
on down since the August second game. Since the game on August second, when somehow, some way, the Orioles or the Orioles, the Yankees couldn't somehow, some way, muster a hit off of Jorge Lopez, which who shouldn't even be in the major leagues, got dominated up and down the lineup. Lost game seven to one on Monday, August this on Monday, August the second. And that correlates to the Orioles losing streak, which I'll get to after this break. But did, had not looked back since. Kicked the Orioles high points 13-1 and 10 through the next two games. Swept Seattle 5-3-3-2-5-4. Lost the game to Seattle. Took two of three from Kansas City. The meltdown at the Field of Dreams on August the 12th. And they have and the, and they have not, they have not lost a game. Now they could because at the time I'm recording this, they're getting blanked three to nothing bottom of the six against the Oakland A's, who ironically enough also had a nice little long losing streak to begin the season that my Orioles uh, said good night said good night to. But they have not lost a game since that Field of Dreams game. When Tim Anderson's home run went over the right field uh, fence into the cornfield. They have not lost the game since. They took the two remaining games of that series in Chicago. They took care of business against against they took care of business in that makeup game against the Angels, swept the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium, swept the swept the Minnesota Twins who they always kill, uh, and swept a two game a two game mini series down in Atlanta against the Braves, where a road as Chapman nearly imploded and nearly imploded on Tuesday night, sweating ev- sweating every single ounce of water that that remained within his body. So, I mean, my goodness grace. I mean, I even tweeted. I'm like, how in the world does a Rodas Chapman pitching in the deep South summer heat, wearing a long sleeve shirt, and he and he's not passed out yet? I mean, I mean, his his the brim of his cap was dripping, dripping, and was absorbed to the max with sweat. It was almost as if it's like it was almost as if a torrential downpour was coming, was raining just on the road to Shaman. because everybody, I mean, everybody else was sweating, but he was he. There was I guarantee it wasn't a part of his body that wasn't drenched in sweat, but he he nearly blew that game until Boone rightfully took him out of there and the Yankees after giving their fans a heart attack walked out of there with walked out of there with the 5-4 victory Tuesday night against uh, against the Atlanta Braves thank uh Mr. Peralta uh coming out of the back end of the bullpen for Aaron Boone Wandy Peralta to uh save uh Arodis Chapman's hide on Tuesday night they haven't looked, but like I said they have not looked back they've played phenomenal baseball they've pitched well the back end of the bullpen has has, uh, has held its weight. They took care of Bennett taking the first two games of this series against Oakland. And and another thing, too, the Yankees have hit in this winning streak. You go back to every game that they have won. You go back to, and go back and look at every game that they won in this winning streak. They scored seven runs against Chicago the first game after the Field of Dreams game. Five runs the next game. They scored two against the Angels. Okay, their offense didn't show up that night. They scored five. They scored five runs the first game out of the two doubleheader, uh, the doubleheader that they had against Boston. They scored five runs that Wednesday on the 18th. Seven runs. Ten runs. Seven runs. Five runs against Atlanta. Five runs against Atlanta. Seven against Oakland. Eight against Oakland as well. So the basically. I, 
outside outside of beating Boston two nothing, beating the Angels and beating the Angels two to one. When the Yankees score five or more runs, they win. They win the ball game. When Aaron Judge, well, excuse me, when Aaron Judge, well, yeah, well, I'll do him first. Aaron, when Aaron Judge plays and performs like he's worthy of getting that next multi-million dollar contract for the next decade plus, Yankees win games. When Giancarlo Stanton doesn't swing and miss as if he's as if it's as if it's the first time him picking up a baseball bat and he plays like he's up to his contract, the old. Uh, uh, the old, uh, the former National League MVP that slugger that he that that he was and has the capability of being the Yankees win ball games. So I raised my hand. I'm not bat. Do I think the Yankees are winning the World Series? No. Do you think? Do I think the Yankees are going to make a deep playoff push? No. But I will raise my hand and admit fault by saying that if it was up to me and I came out here and and said and said this to you guys and tweeted it nine thousand times. If it was me, I would have cleaned house and would have and would have done the Yankee way of hitting the reset button and would have sold pieces off the sold off the the pieces that I could have gotten the most for at the deadline and say, you know what, that's it. We haven't we haven't hit our stride yet. Let's not be let's not be hasty about this. Let's swallow our pride, bite the bullet. And look forward to two th- and look forward and look at the 2022. We're not miss. We're not making the playoffs now, unless the unless the Yankees have hit their stride too early, which is something that I've kept in the back of my head. Maybe they've gotten hot and hitting their stride too early. Who knows? But if that's the case, they still commit. They still can miss the playoffs. But if this is the beginning of the Yankees shocking the world and making the playoffs when not too many people, including yours truly, thought they could in July, June, May, and April, then could then you know then 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 buckle up and and hold on to your seatbelts because because this could get interesting. But when they hit, they win. When they don't hit, you know, and they got to rely on their pitching. Not saying that they can't that they can't win a game two nothing two to one one nothing because they have in the past this season like I've mentioned, but the chances of but the chances of them doing so is few and far in between. They need their guys to hit, and this team has been absolutely phenomenal. And give Cashman credit, who and I've been killing him, and a lot of Yankee fans and uh, and a lot of baseball fans and baseball pundits have killed him all season long. The, the trade for Joey Gallo still makes no sense to me. But give them credit for trading for Anthony Rizzo because Anthony Rizzo has been a complete godsend for the New York Yankees ever since ever since they got him at the deadline. Has been absolutely phenomenal for him. Phenomenal for him. The New York Yankees are team number one. Team number two is the Boston is the Boston Red Sox. You want to talk about two teams that are going in opposite directions. The Boston Red Sox, I thought, were the hottest team uh, and were the hottest team in baseball, hottest team in the American League that could do no wrong. Uh, you know, they they you know their pitching was all right. You know, their pitching could hold its own. Their bats, Janie Martinez, Rafael Devers, Bogarts, all nine yards. And then, and then next thing you know, the next thing you know, you're looking at the Boston Red Sox. They they move their way out of first out of first place in the American League East. They've dropped all the way down to third place in the division, seven games out behind Tampa, uh, and three games behind uh, the Yankees in second place for the American League. And they now hold the second wild card spot 
next to New, next to New York in the American League with a three and a half game advantage over Oakland, four and a half game advantage over Seattle, and six and a half game advantage against their division rival Toronto Blue Jays. So the Boston Red Sox, who are sitting at seventy four and fifty six, who have split five at who have split five and five out of the last ten games, who have won two straight. They are, they need to get themselves together. You know why they didn't? I mean they I mean they and granted Garrett Cole Garrett Cole Chris Sale has been absolutely phenomenal since his return off of the injured list and his last a few starts that he's had he's been phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but you would think that the Boston Red Sox would have liked to do and should have done a little bit more at the deadline to kind of bolster that rotation, which. Which is which has been the uh, catalyst and the microchasm of uh, of why this team has kind of hit the wall essentially uh, in in the last month or so, but the Boston Red Sox have hit have hit the Schneid. They still have they're still in a position for them to make the playoffs. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. The American League East is by far the best division in the American League. Three teams are going to make the playoffs out of. Uh, out of that, out of that division, uh, Tampa, the Red Sox, and the Yankees. Toronto, Toronto won't because because they can hit themselves because they can hit the hit themselves all over the ballpark and can hit the ball out the ballpark with the best of them, Vlad Jr. and company. But the bottom, but the bottom line, but the bottom, you know, they have a plus 112 run differential. But the bottom line is, is with all that talent offensively, you got to be. And I understand that they aren't essentially title contenders. You know, the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Rays have that pressure on them that Toronto does not. But they're, but they're mere five game, but they're mere five games over 500, and they've and they've dropped three, and they've dropped seven out of their last three games. But they're not making. But anyway, back to the Red Sox. You know they've 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 fallen while the Yankees have have taken their place. If you go back and look at how the Red Sox have played, uh, how the Red Sox have played recently, you know you, know, you go. I mean, this just been not, let's just do since the last time I was uh, last time I was on the air. They split a doubleheader with Toronto. They lost the they lost the rubber match of that series on August the eighth. Uh, they lost two of three at home against Tampa. They swept Baltimore, which 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 of course, uh, and which of course a double A team could do. They lost to the Yankees in the Bronx. They uh you know they had a they had a game get postponed. They had a game get postponed, but they dropped the game uh, dropped the game in a weekend series to Texas. They uh you know they took. They took two of they took two of three uh, when their bullpen imploded after uh, after they had a after they had a pinch hit game tying home run on Wednesday night against Minnesota. That was the game that they should have won. That that's the game that they absolutely should have won. Their offense came all the way back back from the dead. I believe Schwarber was the one that hit that game that hit the game tying. Uh, they hit the game tying home run in the bottom of the uh, ninth inning. I just want to be positive, but that's the game that that's the game that they most definitely should have had. Let me see if I can get it right. Uh, bottom of the ninth. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So Schwarber ties up the game in the bottom of the ninth inning. That's the game that they should have had. Uh, they lose that they lose the middle game to to Minnesota, but they still take two or three from them. 
uh, and then they're in Cleveland trying to take care of business against the Cleveland Indians. But the you know they haven't they haven't crashed and burned like other teams have, but they've ri- but they've been playing some very 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 underwhelming baseball as of late. The Boston Red Sox are team number two. Team number three is the San Diego Padres, who who is that team that has sort of crashed and burned uh, since the last time we chatted, you know, on August the 7th, because that's just been our benchmark since the last time, uh, since the last time uh, me and you conversed. Uh, yeah, they won their game August the 7th, had a nice little four-game win streak going, and then all of a sudden they hit the wall. They lost the they lost the third game of their home series against the Miami Marlins. They they lost three of four to the Arizona Diamondbacks of all teams. I mean, how in the world are you the are you the San Diego Padres trying to compete for a spot in the postseason in the National League and that very competitive and very good National League West and are supposed to be a dark horse to win the World Series and you're dropping three or four. I don't give a crap if it was on the road or not. How in the world are you dropping three or four to the hapless Arizona Diamondbacks in in the in early August? I mean, my goodness gracious. I lost three or four to the Arizona Diamondbacks, got swept by the Colorado Rockies. Granted, the Rockies are one of the best teams in baseball at home this season, but still, it's still no excuse. Excuse. They so they were so they had lost uh, so up until August the nineteenth they had lost six out of the or excuse me seven out of their last eight games they lost two they lost two of three to the Philadelphia Phillies at home coming back home the weekend of August the twentieth to through the twenty second they get swept by the Dodgers swept by the Dodgers now the I mean I mean this team was kicking the Dodgers hot pots all up and down Petco Park and Dodger Stadium earlier in the season and now all of a sudden they can't now all of a sudden they can't beat the Dodgers got swept by the Dodgers. Earlier this week in their building, and now they're uh, now they're on the road taking on the uh, taking on the LA Angels, and then they'll just see if they can get their comeuppance against the Arizona Diamondbacks as we closed out the month of August. So, and then they fired Larry Rothschild earlier this week. I mean, I mean, you go. I mean, you're gonna make Larry Rockshaw the scapegoat when uh, you know Blake Snell hasn't been stellar. Your starting pitching hasn't been that good. I mean, I mean, they lost twelve to three to the Arizona Diamondbacks on August to, August the twelfth for crying out loud. Got blanked by him two days later, seven to nothing. You know, uh, I mean, that's that's no excuse. Get blanked seven to nothing August the eleventh by the uh, by the Miami Marlins. I mean that's not good enough for a team that's got Machado that's got Manny Machado and Tatis making damn near a billion dollars on it. Eric Cosmer, who's a World Series champion, you know that's that's not that's not good enough. You know they they traded they traded for Blake Snell and this is a team that's supposed to be competing for, for National League West Western Division title and was everybody's hot trendy pick to go to the World Series back in February. I mean that's that's not good enough, guys. It's it's the, it's the second half of the season. It's you know it's it's August September the dog days of summer. The the the, the playoffs will st- the playoffs are going to start in a, in a month's time. You know, it's put up a shut up time. You you gotta win your division, or you you either gotta you gotta have to win your division, or you have to play 
you have to win your division and you have to play better than the the three than three other teams in the National League. Two of them within your own division. One of them who you, one of them who you can't beat all of a sudden, and the other and the other team and the other team is one of the best teams of baseball, the San Francisco Giants. You got, so you got to play, you got to deal with those two, and they have to worry about teams outside of your division. With the, uh, with, with the, as far as the Cincinnati Reds are concerned, that's trying to make a wild card push. But he got all these players on it. It's got all these tools and all these assets. And whether it's the fact that that, that they're out of source because Tatisus isn't playing shortstop, and he and he missed the boat, and he missed a decent amount of time back in early August. With uh, you know, with with an injury, spending time on the IL, whatever it is, and I tell you, what Larry Rothschild's fault, but th- that that I can tell you. But for the, but for the San Diego Padres, who right now are sitting at uh, are sitting standby at sixty nine and six. I mean, this this team with all the money that the players of this roster is making. And, and the players that they have on it, and the buzz and the hype, the hype that they had at the beginning of the season, they should not be a mere a mere eight games above five hundred on August the tw- on August the twenty on August the twenty eighth. Fifteen games out of first place, their own division, dropping eight out of their last ten, and currently and currently sitting two games behind the second wild card spot. They they got players making too much. They got players making too much money. On that team, they got two good players that are on, that are on that team. That's making the, that's making all that money. And two, now it might be no fault of their own, but, the, but maybe, maybe some of it is, maybe some of it isn't. But this is a team that was predict that was predicted by everybody, everybody, to be one of the best teams in a National League and to give the Dodgers fits within that National League West this season. And was picked by many. Whether it's the whether it was to be different or going out there or going out there on a hunch with with or on a hunch with a with a gutsy with a gutsy prediction and uh, and people picking the San Diego Padres to represent the National League in the World Series and yet it's and yet it's it's what the third it's the third or last day of the month of August August now not April August. And this team has eight games above, eight games of only, only eight games above 500, 12 games out of first in their own division, and two games behind at for, for the second wildcard spot. And they got Tatis and Machado making more money you can shake a stick at, and they have a World Series champion in, in Eric Hosmer playing first base. That who whose uh, who's whose uh, bank statement is is isn't anything you know uh, he isn't he isn't getting paid nickels and dimes in his bank statement I can tell you that right now and and Jace Tingler who what yeah Jace Tingler will 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 will, th- will throw uh, Larry Rothschild under the bus I mean you got the they got uh, I mean think about that they got Machado and Tatis and a World Series champion in Hosmer. And yet, they're eight games above five hundred in late August. You know, I had a feeling that they. I had a feeling. I knew that the Padres were going to be good and they were going to be competitive. I believe I don't have it in front of me. I believe they picked them. The I picked them to win like ninety-two games, which, 
which if you do the math, I believe you still walk away with 70-ish losses on the season. So I knew they were going to be great, and I did not pick them to win the division. And I knew they were going to be good and competitive. But they, they they got to do better than this. I'm sorry. You know, it's no it's no excuse, and I understand that they're in their division, and uh, and at least in the Rockies' case, they're one of the best teams in baseball, have one of the best records in the sport at home with that phenomenal home field advantage that is Coors Field. There's still no excuse by getting beat by the garbage. I mean, that division is so good, and, and they're getting pounded by teams in that division who stink, and the in the Rockies, and the Rockies, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, that that just and then all they all they could do in the first half of the season was beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers come into San Diego and beat them one, two, three. I mean, I don't understand it. And and, and yet, Jace Tingler now will will will, will make will make uh, the pitching coach Larry Rockschild the scapegoat. I mean, my goodness gracious. Uh, team number team number four is is the San Francisco Giants staying within the National League West, a team that has absolutely been off the freaking charts this season. A team that I had no, that I had no idea, none whatsoever, was going to be this good. As a matter of fact, and I'll and I'll bother to uh, to pull them up right now. I had the San Francisco Giants in third place with a seventy five and eighty seven record. So I had them. I had them. I had them competitive, but I had them sub five hundred around that sub five hundred mediocre range, seventy five and eighty seven. And yet they have yet they have gone out there this season and have and have just kicked their opponents' hot parts up and down the field all season long. This unlike the other teams I've broken down here, it's not that they've been on a uh, on a recent run within the last within the last month or so, or since the or since the All Star break or anything. I mean, this team has been on fire since the season started. Yeah, I think they if you go back to the month if you go back to the month of April, they were on they I mean they, this fantastic. They wrapped up they wrapped up April well, you know, they had a phenomenal April. You go ahead you go ahead in the month of May, they play I mean they, they I mean they have now to have some months been worse than others, yes, but they have performed absolutely fantastic and phenomenal from the jump. Uh, who thought that Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford, that one of the few remaining guys from those uh, glory days of the San Francisco Giants back in the early two th- back in the early two thousand tens with Bochi with those championships, who would have thought those two and Buster Posey as well, who's still sitting there, would have would have done a phenomenal job. I mean, this, this they're one of the they weren't they the San Francisco Giants one of the oldest teams in Major League Baseball. This is supposed to be the year where this is supposed to be the year where the sky is falling, they lose over a hundred games, and it's time for the Giants to, you know, to grin and bear it and and, 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 and click the whole the wholesale purge reset button. Yet for whatever the reasons, their veterans who have championship pedigree and championship experience go out there and kick their opponents and, and kick and 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 go out there and dominate on a night in night out game in game out basis. Not to mention, not to mention, they got pitchers, you know, Johnny Cueto, Anthony Discofani, Kevin Gosman, who have who have pitched absolutely phenomenally well for them up until this point in the season. And I tell you, and I tell you, and and have had the and have the best record in all of baseball. They were the first team. They were the first team in the sport to win to win seventy games. The first team in the sport to win fifty, sixty, seventy. 
First team, first team to win 80 games. They are 83 and 45, two and a half games up, up, up ahead of the Dodgers. They won seven out of the last 10 games. They uh, they guaranteed earlier this week their first 500 or better season since 2016. If I if I if I'm remembering that uh, correct, if I'm remembering that correctly, they've done a, they've done a hell of a hell of a hell of a job. And, and a fantastic job at that. And and I tell you this, you know you know who deserves a lot of the credit? Their manager, Gabe Kapler. A guy who, when he was hired by the Giants a few years ago, was critic was ridiculed and and and, 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 and the response was highly critical of him because of the subpar mediocre job he did with the Philadelphia Phillies during his time there. He gets to the San Francisco Giants. They got the best record in the National League and when the regular season dust settles and it comes postseason time, his team will have the number one seed in the National League. Who now, unless you are a San Francisco Giant fan that expect that you know says ah every every year regardless what circumstances in it this the this is our year World Series unless you're that type of fan, who in the world thought that the San Francisco Giants would win eighty three games this season, let alone. The last, have 83 wins by late August, being first place in the National League West and best team in baseball up until this point. Not 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 they have a nice little not they have a nice little run, nice little cute run in April, May, and some parts of June, and then come Father's Day they they nosedive and fall off a cliff and fall off a cliff and collapse. Or have a nice first half of the season, then they come out the gate, you know, to begin the second half of the season in mid July flat where they can't hit. Their starting pitching stinks. Their bullpen can't hold their weight. Their managers making stupid asinine decisions from the from the dugout. None of that. They've played consistent and they've played well. Give some credit to the San Francisco Giants. And of course, it's the last team of this long, lengthy segment, and that is the and that's the New York Mets. I mean, my, I mean, for the love of God, I mean, uh, you want to talk about a team, you, you want to talk about the Yankees, you want to talk about the Yankees and how they've played? It's almost just like the two teams have switched. It was the first half of the season where the Yankees were pathetic, their manager was clueless, their starting pitching was eh, the injuries and COVID infections all over the place. They can't hit the way out of a paper bag. Their bullpen's imploding with Chad Green and Chapman and everybody else. And, that, and the Yankees can't get out of their own way while the New York Mets are mowing. Now, they, they hadn't been able to hit essentially all season long, but DeGrom was putting up fantastic record-setting numbers. They could pitch their way to victory where when, when they didn't necessarily have to hit their way to victory. They would steal games and win games that they had no business winning, and they somehow, someway found ways to win. Found ways to win. Even when, even when they weren't playing their best, or as well as, or as, well as they should have. And yet, the roles are, are reversed, where the Yankees can do no wrong and everything the New York Mets touch goes to crap. 
They are now 61 and 67. Six games under 500. They've dropped eight out of their last 10, riding a four game losing streak, eight and a half games out of first place. And in the NL East, NL East, no second place team is what it is making is making the playoffs out of the NL East. The NL West is too good, and the NL Central has has to, has uh, has the two teams in the Brewers and the Reds. Two teams out of the National League West, and three teams that are very good in the in the National League West. There's there's only one playoff team coming out of the East of the National in the senior circuit, and that's and that's whoever wins the division. And it looks like the, that the New York Mets might not be that team, because they have they have hit the, they have hit the wall the wall this season. They have been absolutely pathetic, you know. And can Francisco Lindor? You know, and they dropped the they dropped the twelve to one game to the to the hapless Washington Nationals who who wrote who uh, waved the white flag early. You know, can Francisco Lindor, who's making a little bit over three, who's making a little bit over uh, three hundred million dollars, whatever he's making, he can can he hit better than two twenty four this season? Eleven home runs and thirty six RBIs. I understand he spent a little bit of time on the IL, but not much has changed. From before he went on the IL and after, you know he he's got 326 at bats this season and he's hitting 224. I mean, really, making making all the money he's making, really. Okay, okay, he's a great defensive shortstop and can run the bases properly. That's great, but but last time I checked, you don't score points, you don't score runs in baseball. You know, just strictly just by playing deep, strictly just by playing defense. You know, all 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 the other all the other sports, lacrosse, lacrosse, hockey, basketball, football, all all, all the other sports except for baseball, you, you can score while on defense. Football you can do it, basketball you can do it, hockey you can do it, lacrosse the the, the worst sport in the world, you, you can do it, you can do it there, and uh, and soccer, you soccer. You can do it. Where you don't have to be a great offensive player if you could if you can play defense that eventually in some form or fashion will lead to your team scoring points. You know football. You know, if you have a great if you have great defense, you're gonna win. If you have a great defense, you're gonna win a lot of games simply because simply because your offense has to do essentially fifty percent of the job because because you're doing so well. Or if you have a great defense in, in, in college football or in the NFL, your defense scores for you. You force turnovers, force your opponents to fumble the ball. You know interceptions, pick sixes. You force the fumble. You scoop. You scoop it up. You take it the other way for six points. Tackle your opponent in their end zone. Easy two points for a safety. Baseball Baseball is the only sport where where you where you where your defense. Your defense can't score for you, so nobody cares about what Lador does out there, out there, out there, flashing the leather at shortstop. That's great and all, but for all the money that he's making, two hit two twenty four in late August ain't good enough for the for the New York Mets that's trying to be a contender, trying to make the postseason. Not good enough. Not good enough. You know, and, and yeah, and it's last. 
in his last seven games, he's hit 280. Last 15, he's hit 286 line. But uh, yeah, yeah, 280, 280 is not 280 in his last seven 50 games, however many it is. That that's not good enough for a guy that's getting paid 200, 300 plus million dollars. It's not good enough. Now Degrom, who never pitches, and I can wet my finger and put it up to the sky to tell you the last time I saw Degrom pitch, but. But you know, and I've heard, I've heard this that you know maybe the Mets' identity was the fact that the Grom was out there pitching every fifth day, and because the Grom isn't out there pitching, takes a little bit of the edge and takes a little bit of that of the swagger that the Mets had earlier in the season because he's not out there pitching, and they have to essentially rely on substandard uh, Major League Baseball starting pitching talent in order for them to win ball games. Whatever it is, it's got to change. On top of the fact. That even when they had to grab at the at the beginning of the season, where they couldn't hit out the hit their way out of a paper bag, so they have absolutely collapsed. Especially when they had that stretch of their that stretch of their schedule where they had uh, we are where they played nothing but the Giants and the Dodgers in California and at home. In their last thirteen games prior to last prior to their loss against the Nationals on Friday night, they were two, they two and eleven in their last thirteen games prior to Friday night, averaging three runs a game, hitting a, hitting below the Mendoza line at two seventeen, an OPS of six oh. Nine and a team ERA of four point three one. I mean, really? They lost two of three against Miami at the beginning of the month. Or check that they split my or three of four from Miami at the beginning of the month of August. Got swept by the Philadelphia Phillies, and it's just been a complete train wreck. Getting getting their blow getting their doors blown off by the Dodgers and the Giants in Dodger Stadium in uh, Oracle Park and at City Field in Queens, been a complete mess, an absolutely complete and utter mess. The Mets are finished. Mets aren't Mets aren't winning the division. Mets aren't winning the playoffs. The Mets stink. The Mets are done. The Mets are finished. Long monologue, but it was worth it. First show back in quite a while. This is the Avatelica Tellius podcast. We'll get to my disgusting Orioles right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelki Tayez podcast. Shushing gears down to my pathetic, disgusting, offensive to the senses Baltimore Orioles. I'm going to make this quick because their losing streak is over and I don't want to waste any more precious breath and air in my body's. Uh, my body to talk about this to talk about this joke of a franchise. But I would just say this: uh, the Baltimore Orioles are an absolute disgrace to to 
they're a disgrace to baseball. They're a disgrace to uh, the, uh, the uh, sports. They're a disgrace to the city of Baltimore. They're a disgrace to the state of Maryland. They're a disgrace to the DMV region of the country. They're a disgrace to America as a whole. They are a disgrace to the whole continent of North America. They are a disgrace to the Western Hemisphere. They are a disgrace to humanity as a whole. They're an absolute disgrace. And they can't pitch. I'm not going to bore you with all the stats. I'm not going to do. They can't pitch. Starting starting pitching and their bullpen atrocious. They are pitchers that are on this roster that beho- that blows my brain out of my head of how in God's name they are still on a major league baseball team at this point in the season. Brandon Hyde can't manage his way out of a, out of a paper bag. He is he is not a patch on Buck Showalter or Earl Weaver's ass. He stinks. He's pathetic. I'm sick of looking at him. I want him fired by the end of the season. And you have some players on this team that have no business being in a major league lineup. Like like a few days ago, why in the hell was 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 DJ Stewart hitting fifth? Why? He stinks. Can't hit. Why is he in the lineup? Orioles stink. Again, disgrace to sports, disgrace to humanity, disgrace to baseball. They are a disgrace to the the Orioles organization for every single person that put on an Oriole uniform or had any association with the Baltimore Orioles before Peter Angelos bought the team. Disgrace to every single ex-Oreo you can think of. From Reggie Jackson to Ken Singleton to Al Bummery to Frank Robinson, God rest his soul, to Earl Weaver, to Brooks Robinson, to Boog Powell, to Jim Palmer, to Dave McNally, to Mike Mussina, to Cal Ripken, to B.J. Surhoff, to Brady Anderson, to Albert Bell, to Bobby Bonilla, to Chris Hoyles, Rick Dempsey, Nick Markakis, Adam Jones, J.J. Hardy, Manny Machado, Brian Roberts, Melvin Mora, Miguel Tejada, Corey Patterson, Aubrey Huff, Shall I continue? They stink. They're an absolute disgrace to sports. It is it is a baseball and a sports crime that this team has been so bad to the point where they have been unwatchable for the amount of time that they have been that they've been a pathetic organization. It's a joke. It's a joke. There are players on this roster that have zero business being in a Major League Baseball uniform. None. And I do not want to hear from the from all the Orioles fans that are going to that 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 give Angelos and give the people that Angelos employs a pass. 
Not, I'm not doing it. Not doing it. I'm not going for it. And, 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 uh, done. Done. You can sit here and tell me that they have the best farm system in the sport and that Elias was on the team and was part of the organization that put together the 2017 Astros organization. You, you can tell me that till the cows come home till I'm blue in the face. My opinion and my thoughts will not change based on this one simple yet seemingly complex condition. You know who's still the owner of the Baltimore Orioles? Peter Angelos. You tell me outside of that very, very, very small window. Small window of time in the 2010s from my fifth grade year to my eighth grade year. Eighth grade year. From 2012 to 2016 when they were one of the best teams in the sport. Yet, they did not go to the World... Not, not win it, go to the World Series. Outside of that little window, they have been so bad, it, 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 it is mind-numbing how bad they've been just within the last 19 years. I'm not going to go back and I'm not going to talk about 98, 99, 2000, 2001. And I could cut them a favor and cut off the games that they lost before I was born. But from the 2002 season, the last 19 or 20 years outside of a, outside of four years, this team has been a league laughing stock. Laughing stock. And, and 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 the thing is, they're not an expansion team. They're not an expansion team, or a team that re, that they're relocated to, or or a team that relocated to an area that you know an area that doesn't care for them. This 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 isn't like that. This is a baseball city and a franchise that has significant amount of history within the sport. You take the Baltimore Orioles, you go back in time and the Orioles don't exist in 1954, the baseball landscape is forever changed. Now I'm not saying that because I'm an Orioles fan, but it's the truth. It's the truth. They've been around for a long time and they have etched themselves within the fabric of this city and of this region. Before the Nationals came, this team they were this team ruled from the Mason from the Mason Dixon line all the way down into the Carolinas. Is how large this 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 team's fan base was in their glory days. 
Hell, you can even they they even had fans up in in, in some of the parts in southern central Pennsylvania, in York, in York, and in Hershey, PA, those areas. I can't tell you how many people I've ran into into my life that aren't that aren't if they're football fans or not Ravens fans, but they're Orioles fans. That's not by accident or by coincidence. And it's like, and and you can't blame it all on the fact that the Nationals got here in two thousand and five, because up until twenty twelve, the Nationals were an absolute disgrace of a baseball team too. And maybe it's the, and I understand that they won a championship that they're, I understand they're a younger franchise. They've been around for what? Going on 16 years. I understand that they're a younger franchise. And the fact that they've won a World Series more recently than the Orioles have, who've been around longer and everything. I get that. But still, Peter Angelos is still the owner of this team. And outside of, Three ALCS appearances. He really hasn't done Jack Diddley squat as an owner. All the move, all the hirings that he's made, GMs and managers, and the teams that have been assembled, and the teams that have gone out there on on that on that field in that beautiful ballpark, and have done nothing but stunk up the joint. What makes you think that this go around with 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 the with the crop of young talent in the farm system is going to be any different? Why? Because, why? Because, why? Because the GM worked worked with the uh, with the Houston Astros a few years ago. I mean, it, it, it's literally no different. Literally no different. Than when the Detroit Lions, for for a perfect example, try to poach and try to essentially become the NFC New England Patriots, will hire, will will sign their will sign their players, will sign their ex coaches, will sign their coordinators, will sign the people that worked in their scouting and their player development departments, and yet. The Lions didn't win a damn thing. What games did they win with Matt Patricia? None. You know why? Because unlike with the Patriots, they had a different owner. An owner who cared about winning. An owner who wasn't going to put out a pathetic, embarrassing, unwatchable, non-competitive product on the field year after year after year after year after year. An owner who cared and had enough self-respect to not charge fans full price to come watch his team play, or in the Lions' case, her team play, for them to watch, for them to sit sit there and waste time for three and a half hours to watch garbage. Kraft was dedicated to winning. That's why his that's why his team has that's why his team, since he's been the owner of the New England Patriots, has appeared in eleven Super Bowls. 
or excuse me, 10 Super Bowls. The one in 96 and then the 10 in the Brady and the Brady uh, Belichick era. The nine in the Brady Belichick era, and then the one in '96. That's why they've appeared in 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 in, in a lot of Super Bowls. That's why they've appeared in more AFC Championship games, and and then they have Super Bowls. That's why that's why they had a full twenty plus years of dominance, winning their division year after year after year. It starts from the top and worked its way down. You don't get to cut corners and and, 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 and and create shortcuts. Everything rises and falls on leadership. If you have an owner that's committed to being the best, an owner that wants to be that wants that wants uh, his team to be champions and, and to be the best in the sport, then you'll get the best scouting, the best GMs, the best player development people, the best coaches, and you'll have the best players to create the best to 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 put to create the best team. The Astros owner cares about winning, cares about putting a winning product on the field. And everyone and and the and the Orioles and the Orioles fans aligns that's uh, for the ones that I see on Twitter, their favorite go-to card is, well, we didn't see and hear all of this ridicule and, and, and hear the team get dragged through the mud when the Astros and the Cubs were bad. And y'all must have short memories because literally all I remember is the Astros and the Cubs being talked about as pure D trash of Major League Baseball. I remember I was watching television and I saw that Sports Illustrated cover that said your 2017 World Series champion, Houston Astros. I looked at it, I said, what? The Astros, they stink. I can't tell you how many times I was pissed off and I didn't have, a, and we didn't have a DVR back in these back in back in these days, quote unquote, those days. But how many times I'd get pissed off because I'd come home from school or cut on the television at five o'clock in the afternoon to watch intentional talk with Chris Rose and Kevin Millar, and the program either gets truncated or wiped off the the TV guide altogether. Because the Chicago Cubs game ran late. I can't tell you how many times I said to myself, why is we never putting the Cubs on? They stink. I want to watch the Cubs. I want to watch my favorite baseball TV show. Get them off. Can't tell you how many times I heard it. The Chicago Cubs, oh, the lovable losers. Can't tell you. And the Cubs in early part of the two th of the in early part of the twenty first century, they were competing for National League championship the National League championships. Ever heard of Steve Bartman? Astros, same thing. They went to the World Series in two thousand and five. They were very good 
in the, in 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 the early mid two thousands. They were good. Oils were garbage. Those two teams have owners who care about winning. Orioles don't. So until I see otherwise, until I until either Peter Angels drops dead tonight, sells or sells the team, or an active guy that we have a divine intervention, there is nothing that's going to change my mind. That's going to tell and scream off the papers to me that the Baltimore Orioles are going to win a championship in the, during this 2020s decade. I either have to go in, go into the future to see it, or Angelos has to either drop dead tonight or sell the team. Because you're not going to convince me under any, any, any circumstances that this team is going to win with the Angelos' still at the helm as owner of the team. Because they do not care about winning championships. They don't. And the only difference between what the Astros went through, what the Cubs went through in in the early 2010s is the fact that they, is the fact that their owners had enough wherewithal and had enough common sense to say, look, I can't make money and this franchise is going nowhere fast if we don't win. We got to win and I got to do whatever it possibly requires for us to win championships. Astros owner cares about winning. It's been, what, four years since the cheating scandal and the Astros are still pretty damn good. Hate to say it, but it's true. Chicago Cubs made the play made the playoffs and were competitive the few years after they won the World Series in 2016. And both of those teams have won in my lifetime, unlike the Baltimore Orioles have. And both of those teams have made the playoffs within the last 25 years other than their World Series championship seasons like the Orioles have. But going and appearing, (coughs) excuse me, going and appearing in three ALCSs is not good enough. Not when the Tampa Bay Rays, who are worth less as a team than the Orioles are, whose owner spends less money than Angelos does, who, who plays in the exact same competitive, hard, difficult division that the Orioles are in for a much shorter amount of time than the Orioles have, have been competing in the AL East too historically as well. Yet they somehow, someway, rub nickels together and get a World Series team out of it. The Tampa Bay Rays have appeared in two World Series in the 21st century. The Orioles have appeared in zero. And the Tampa Bay Rays, you'll find a few outliers where they were really bad. But Tampa Bay Rays, for the most part, when they aren't in championship competitive mode, they still somehow, some way, 
find a way to stay competitive and to produce a quality, watchable, competitive product out there on the field. They do. And don't sit up there and tell me it does you no favors because of the draft picks. The hell with the draft picks. This isn't the M- this isn't the NFL and this isn't the NBA where you have Hall of Famers getting drafted top 15 in the draft every single year. Players that go on to win Super Bowls and, and to win MVPs and are going to appear in the Hall of Fame one day in their 40s and 50s. This isn't it. You, you can find Hall of Fame and World Series championship caliber players all over the draft. First round picks don't mean that much in baseball like they do the other sports. Baseball, you can, you can find a gem in any round, at any pick, at any time, at any year. Doesn't matter how good you are. You 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 could be a you could be a first place team, and a draft comes around. You pick a guy in the mid rounds of the draft, comes up through the farm system, and then you blink, and it's like holy crap. We we've put together we 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 haven't had a sub five hundred record in the last fifteen years. Now have we won the world and have we won ten World Series championships? No, but but what our fans expect and they get a a quality competitive product every single year. So don't sit up here and tell me, well, it means nothing to go out there and spend money and try to be competitive when you're not going to make the play. It's not the point. Sometimes it's just about. Getting a getting that taste of winning and competitive baseball into the mouths and into the mindsets of the players that are on that roster and to send a message to the fan base, the fan base that, look, we're trying to win. We're trying to be competitive. We're trying to produce a competitive, watchable product for our fans to be proud of on a year in year out basis. So that they're willing to come down wherever they live in the state of Maryland to come down and spend a night or spend a hot afternoon at the ballpark to watch us play. To sit down for three hours to watch us play on TV when they could be doing other things or watching somebody else. So I don't want to hear that either. And again, until things change from the top and because that's where that's where the success begins is at the top. Until things change with the owner and Angelos, I expect more of the same. Call me pessimistic. Call me whatever you want. That's how I see it. And until either Angelos dies, sells or sells the team, it's gonna be more of the same garbage and foolishness. And if it's going to be the same garbage and foolishness, I would tell Rob Manfred to pick up the phone and save and, and do the fans a solid. Do the fans a solid and save this franchise before Peter Angels further runs it into the ground. Because this is a franchise that has a lot of rich history to it that's produced many of players that are sitting there in Cooperstown. They've won three championships and appeared in many a World Series where they didn't win it. 69, 71, 79. 
and they, along with the Red Sox and the Yankees, one one of the oldest teams that have made up the American League East since 1969. Rays have been around for the last 25 years or so, yet they somehow figure out how to win on the cheap, and the Orioles somehow so they can't do it. Falls on ownership. Falls on ownership. Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm Talking TIS podcast. You know what I'm going to do? <clears throat> Go on Audible. Excuse me. Go on Audible. I'll get to Malice at the Palace. This has been a long, long episode. So I will save the Malice at the Palace for next uh, for next time on, uh, on Wednesday. Um, so I will save my thoughts on the Malice at the Palace for next time. I will make this. Uh, I will make this one the last segment of the program, as far as the NFL, uh, Q, as far as the NFL QBs are concerned. Um, and I just to na- just to go off uh, by one by one. First off, let's start with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Justin Fields. Justin Fields should be the starter. I understand that that you don't want to throw. Uh, that you don't want to throw Justin Fields in the deep end of the pool, you know the the bear, you know the Bears uh, play the play the Rams week one on Sunday Night Football, which which will put all of us to sleep. Uh, so I I understand that you don't want to throw him in the deep end of the pool and why rush it? Why stun his growth? Why you know ruin something good that you you may have here in Fields? I get that. I understand all that and the old Mahomes adage and old Brady adage and old Rogers adage. Let him sit on the bench and watch the veteran do it. Blah 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 blah. But the point. But but the point. But the point is is that. I don't care about any of that. I understand that argument. I still don't care. Justin Fields should start. Okay, from from a Chicago Bears standpoint, you know what you're getting with Andy Dalton. You know, you know what you you know what you're getting with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton has hit his ceiling as a starting quarterback in this league. We we know what we've gotten from Andy Dalton from 2012 to 2019 when he was a starting quarterback for my Cincinnati Bengals. Did a did a, did a, did a nice job regular season wise. Did a nice job, but whenever it would come, whenever we needed him to win us a Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night playoff game for us, he never came through. And the Bears were going to be on prime time. I would imagine. Well, I mean, if their first game of the season is is is, is a prime time game on Sunday night. I mean, for and fourteen, and I don't know if many people realize this nor remember this, but the Chicago Bears made the playoffs last season. The Chicago the Chicago Bears were a playoff team last year. 
went eight and eight, got bounced by the Saints in the first round. But they were a playoff team last season. Won eight games. In large part because their defense played at a very high level. But you know what you're getting with Andy Dalton. Nobody is going. Nobody is going to be thrown for a loop, especially considering that you play. The, you know that that you play the AFC North this season. Nobody and and, and outside and everyone except for Cleveland has has played with that coaching staff and that regime. They 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 know what they're getting with Andy Dalton. We all know what we're getting with Andy Dalton. Whether the whether the Bears want to try to make the playoffs or not, the point is is trying to give your fans something to look forward to and something to bite their teeth put bite their teeth down on and 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 salvage and enjoy in this season in case it goes sideways. Where you where maybe you're not in the hunt and maybe you don't get lucky to get to get the last wild card spot. In the NFC, in the NFC playoff picture, so you're you got you. I mean, so yeah, so you're 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 trying to compete and get into the playoffs and see what happens, and you're also rebuilding as far as getting yourselves organized at the quarterback position. And Justin Fields, who had a phenomenal game against Clemson back in January. And had a phenomenal season last year of Ohio State, who I, if you remember the shows I did with Brendan leading up to the draft back in the spring, I I am still very high on Justin Fields and the, and the abilities that he has as a quarterback in this league. Why not go with him from the jump? Try something different. Provide a new energy. Provide a new vibe within the city of Chicago and within that team and within that locker room. I understand you don't want to throw him out there to the Wolves where he has to prepare for Aaron Donald, you know, his first the, his first game of his NFL career. I get that. But my goodness gracious, man. It's not like we we know what we're getting with Andy Dalton. What does Matt Nagy honestly think that Andy Dalton is 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 is, is really gonna is really gonna be that much of a major upgrade from Mitch Trubisky? Let's call it like we see it. We know what we're getting with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton already reached his ceiling as the best he could he he can play as a, as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. We don't know that with Fields yet. He should be starting, but he isn't to start the season. So we'll get Andy Dalton and Matt Stafford to put us to sleep on the first Sunday night of the season. I screamed and yelled about it in April, but for the love of God, they could have literally picked any other game to put on Sunday night football, and they picked NFL and the NBC picked the Bears and the Rams, as if we haven't seen these two teams play each other and bore us to tears for the last three years or so on in prime time, on Sunday night and Monday night football, as if they haven't bored us enough, we gotta see them. We 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 have to see them to open up the gate, uh, to open up the gate to begin the season. And why do the Rams back to back years? Why do the Rams get a home, get a home Sunday night football game to kick off the season in back to back years? 
They played the Cowboys week one last year, and now they're getting week one again to show off that stupid new stadium. We showed it off what it looked like without fans in it. Now we'll show, show it off what it looks like with fans in it. As if NBC needs to do that because NBC has the Super Bowl this year. And the Super Bowl is where? In SoFi. Why? And I understand that Mac and Aaron Donald are one, are the two, one of the two best uh, defensive players in the sport right now. But at what cost? I mean, they're honestly lucky that they're not going up against playoff. They're lucky that they aren't going up against a, uh, a, a AL or NLCS or a World Series game. Because if, because if they were, I would, honest to God, full hand raise, and I love football. But if that game was going up, but if that game was going up against a going up against a playoff baseball game on a Sunday night, to hell, Matt Matt Stafford can find some way to shove it. I I'd keep up with the scores if I had anything to do with fantasy and anything else. Or if the baseball game was a blowout, I'd check in. Halftime, check in to see what Tony Dungy has to say. But that's it. My attention would be on a playoff baseball game. Because that matchup stinks. And one of the reasons why, again, he could have put... I understand it's a lot of pressure. I get that. Road game. First NFL, official NFL start of his career has to go up against Aaron Donald, Sunday Night Football. The 21st century's regular season big stage that was what Monday Night Football was back in the 80s and in the 90s. I get that. But I would have been halfway intrigued to see Fields play. See how he goes up against Aaron Donald and Ramsey in that vaunted Ram defense. Ah, that would have caught my attention. See how Stafford, I mean, I get to see how Stafford plays against a division rival against what used to be a division rival defense anyway that, that gave him fits. But still, would have been interesting that you would have taken you would have taken a, a boring game on paper and given it a little bit of life. Yeah, we get Andy Dalton and Matthew Stafford on Sunday Night Football. All right, really? And 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 I'll, and I'll wrap this little mini rant up with this: Would NBC ever, in a million trillion years, would have put the Bengals and the Detroit Lions on Sunday Night Football? I didn't think so. Field should start without question. The other quarterback who should start, or who was named to start earlier this week, was Jameis Winston. He did it with, and, a, and a good job, and rightfully so, by Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints. Did a, he did a phenomenal job. Well, I mean, he and Taysom Hill was absolutely atrocious. Their first preseason game against the Ravens was absolutely awful. 
Uh, but and and he he he's he improved and played a li- and played better against Jacksonville this past Monday night. But Jameis Winston, who was throwing dots and was letting that sucker fly on Monday night against that char against that Jaguar defense on Monday night football, granted being preseason, but still uh, the Saints name Winston the starter. Good job by Peyton. And have no issues with that. What's have no issues with that whatsoever. Good to see Jameis Winston get a second chance and trying to fill the big shoes of uh, Drew Brees, uh, quarterback of the New Orleans uh, Saints. Uh, Trey Lance and Mac Jones, in my opinion, should sit. Lance should sit because, and this is one of the things that bothers me about Kyle Shanahan. Because Shanahan comes across as a cocky, as as a cocky, arrogant, you know what, that thinks he invented football and thinks he knows more about the sport than you don't, than you, or excuse me, than you do. And how dare you question me? I'm 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 the great Kyle Shanahan. Don't you know who my father is and the coaching jobs that I've had? Blah blah blah. Okay, and I and I and granted, I understand in Shanahan's defense that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't exactly Joe Montana or was Joe Montana in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, but if, but he had, but Shanahan has to put, put his his opinion of Trey Lance at North Dakota freaking state within proper context. If Jimmy Garoppolo does not overthrow Emmanuel Sanders over in the middle of the field in the fourth quarter, when they were up, I believe, by the score of 20 to 10, Lance is not on the 49ers roster. If if Richard Sherman, <clears throat> who was garbage in that Super Bowl, getting crossed up and getting embarrassed left and right by Tyreek Hill, McCoy Hartman, and Travis Kelsey in the second half, Third to fifteen, Robert Solid. That's for you. Trey Lance is not on the roster. If Shanahan, for the second time in a row, not blown yet another Super Bowl in the second half, and would have been more worried about making sure his foot was on the gas with his team instead of bitching and moaning to Aaron Andrews at halftime over the obvious and correctly called George Kittle offensive pass interference to end the first half, or making sure his team was still focused and was still in the mindset of a game, of, of, of in the middle of playing a championship football game instead of running 70 yards downfield to pose, to pose for the next morning's... Uh, the ne- the next morning, Sports Illustrated when they intercepted Mahomes in the early stages of the fourth quarter. Trey Lance is not in the in the in the, in the Super Bowl a few years two years back. Trey Lance is not on that roster, so you have to put that and Shanahan has to put that within the proper context. And it wasn't like that the 49ers were bad. Now, granted, Garoppolo's been injury prone. I give you that, and he wasn't Joe Montana in the Super Bowl. Don't I, I don't dispute that either. But still, the 49ers didn't finish last in the division because of Jimmy Garoppolo's poor quarterback play. They finished last in the division because 75% of their starting, of their starting players were on IR come, come middle of October. Lance should sit. Garoppolo deserves another chance.
the last full season he played, he got you to it. Now, granted, Raheem Mostert and their all and their and their strong run game and their defense did a lot of heavy did a lot of the heavy lifting along the, along the way. But but you still get my you get my drift. Last full season he played, he got y'all to a Super Bowl. Count your blessings, Shanahan. Will you please? And Mac Jones should sit as well. Cam deserves another chance. Got lucky, got 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 a bad break, bad bounce with the COVID. Deserves another shot. And Bill Belichick wouldn't have brought Cam Newton back for him for him for him to for him just to take up payroll and, and, and to sit on the bench. That's not Belichick's way. Gardner Minshew was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a conditional 2022 six-round pick earlier th- earlier this morning, uh, which was shocking because Urban Meyer tried to make things interesting and tried to make it seem like you know we're down in Gainesville or up there in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State, trying to try to sell it to to the media and try to sell it to the fan base. And I don't want to hear any of this garbage while he's trying to change the culture. Oh, shut up, will you please change the culture, my ass? They're the Jacksonville Jaguars of all teams. We didn't even change the culture. I mean, you know, that would we'll make will make Trevor Lawrence earn it. I mean, he's the first overall pick for crying out loud. Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, the whole nine yards. He's he's starting. Please. They started Gardner Minshew. The whole city of Jacksonville will go up and smoke. Stop it. I wanted to make it a competition. Oh, shut up. We all knew. We all knew. That it was Lawrence's job to begin with. Please. Anyway, causes Mitchu to get shipped out to Philadelphia, which will make things which will make it for a very interesting dynamic between him and Jalen Hurts up in Phil, up in Philadelphia. Uh Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke, the official starter, has not been named for their week one game against the Chargers. That remains to be seen. We'll keep an eye on for that. Fitzpatrick has the experience and, and has that it factor of coming off the bench in relief like a relief pitcher in baseball and getting his team home. But, what, but, when, but when the ball is in his hands, to use baseball term, from the first inning on, you know, he's a starting pitcher. He's a guy that has to get the first out of the inning, top or bottom of the first. For whatever the reason, he has he has he has issue he has issues uh, playing the long game as far as being the starting quarterback from the very jump. Uh, and Taylor Heineke has talent. He, he he can play on my team any day of the week, whether backup starter doesn't matter. Kid's got guts. Kid plays with effort. Plays to the plays to the final whistle and is sure to give you a hundred and ten percent effort each and every day. He goes out there and straps on his shoulder pads and puts on his helmet. So the interesting, so be very interesting to see uh, in due time whether Rivera will name Fitzpatrick or Heineke as the Washington starting quarterback for the season. And lastly, Deshaun Watson. Might be a Miami Dolphin or a Carolina Panther. Says he wants to get reunited with Will Fuller. Uh, I mean, if you're the Sean Watson who should be counting his blessings right now and should hit his knees and thank the good Lord that he isn't uh, sitting sitting in a courthouse, uh, sitting 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 in a courtroom or sitting in a jailhouse somewhere with handcuffs around his wrist. And and, and and is suiting up playing football and training camp with the use of that. He should have I mean, a place. Please. Now, 
the Panthers. I mean, they 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 trade. They go to what well, they're going to trade for Donald, and then all of a sudden trade for Deshaun Watson and take and take along that distraction when they had to kick uh, Jerry Richardson out of out of being owner of 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 uh, of, the, of their team because he was acting acting inappropriate among the women among the women within his own organization. So they kicked the runner out for essentially the same thing that Deshaun Watson is accused of and will trade him in having just traded for Sam Darnold earlier in the offseason. Really? And, 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 he goes, and he goes to the Miami Dolphins where it's supposed to be Tua's team. I mean, if I was, my, if I was Miami or, uh, or Carolina, I'd stay put. I wouldn't trade for him because you don't know whether he's going to play or not, whether in 2021 or beyond. I wouldn't go anywhere near him, especially considering that Carolina had to trade for Sam Darnold to get him as, you know, as and they're in a rebuilding mode as a franchise and they're try and they're trying to be the place of uh rehabilitation and rebirth for Sam Darnold's NFL career. And then, of course, with the Miami Dolphins, you got Fitzpatrick out of there, so, Fitzpatrick, so Fitzpatrick's shadow, you know, Tua doesn't have to worry about. You went 10-6, you had a very good season, you missed the playoffs by a, by a, by a positive COVID test by Fitzpatrick. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see what Tua has when, 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 he, when he's given the keys to the, when he's given the keys to the car, doesn't have to worry about uh, Fitzpatrick coming off the bench in relief to aid him to aid him and his team. Stay away from Deshaun Watson, buyer beware. Not a bad show. First one back since August the seventh. Follow me on Twitter at the J Shield and Instagram at the J Shield. Talk to you guys this upcoming week. See you then.